And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass, after a while, that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, That's it? Okay, it's right in the middle. Yeah. So this period of time was a terrible time in the history of uh, the children of Israel. During the time of King Ahab, uh, the country spiraled into great amounts of idolatry uh, and rebellions against God. And it was during this time of great idolatry and rebellion that Elijah comes on the scene and we see him here for the very first time in verse 1. And we know very little about his background. The Bible doesn't tell us anything except this small sentence in, line, uh, in verse 1 there, which says that he was of the inhabitants of Gilead. His forebearers or forefathers were people who had settled on the eastern side of the river Jordan. And for materialistic reasons, they never fully entered the land and took possession of what God had given them. Rather, they lingered on the fringe uh, and they enjoyed the land. And from this um, unpromising background, Elijah emerged, who was a great servant of God. And we were looking at service for God, and there are many things that uh, we can draw from him about how we should uh, serve God, like we were looking at on Sunday. Now, Elijah once complained that I am not better than my fathers, but he was way better than all his forefathers. He came out as a real power for God during his time. His commitment, his loyalty, these are things that we can emulate in our lives were better than anyone else at that time. So here's the very first lesson that I would like to leave with you this evening. It doesn't matter what your background in life is, where you have come from, what your family is, your parents or your grandparents, uh, to be reared among people who are shallow, half-hearted, does not disqualify you from being someone special for God. You are an individual. You are different to all your family, your relatives. It's what you make of your relationship with God that counts. Be like Elijah. It didn't matter to him that his parents never fully entered the land. They settled on the fringe, on the side. But he became a great man of God for himself. Now, possibly Elijah's parents were God-fearing people because we can deduce that from his name. His name means, my God is Jehovah. Now, here's another very important lesson for us. In those days, during the time of Ahab, everybody was told to worship Baal and the worship of Baal was promoted. But Elijah, with a name like this, uh, in bearing 
this particular name in the heartland of Baal worship, everyone knew where his loyalties lay. You be like that also in your service for God. The Bible says that we are in an adulterous and sinful generation, but let our commitment and our loyalty and our service to Christ be open where everybody can see where we stand, just like Elijah in those Baal-worshipping days, he stood for God. Now, in verse 1, I would like to point out to you uh, a few uh, points here. And it says there that as the Lord God of Israel liveth, he goes and speaks to Ahab, and these are his words to him. As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall be not be any dew or rain these years, but according to my word. Now, presumably, this very first words that were given to Ahab, he told it to him in the king's court. And notice that despite Ahab and all the people backsliding from God, despite all of them being far from God, despite them worshipping all these idols, notice here in verse 1, it says that God is still regarded as the God of Israel, as the Lord God of Israel. It didn't matter that all of Israel was away from God. God considered him the God of Israel. Now, in Hosea's time, God said this. Hosea 11 and verses 7 and 8 says, My people are bent to backsliding from me. How shall I give thee up? You see, the point is this. He still acknowledged his connection with his people, even though they had backslidden away from him. He was the Lord God of Israel, regardless of the fact that they were all Baal worshippers. You see, here's the point. For backsliding uh, and rebellion can never sever our relationship with God. However far we go from God, we are still his children. And a genuine relationship with him can never be broken. Learn that lesson. You see, God was still the God of Jonah. Even when Jonah sinned and rebelled against God, Jonah chapter 2 and verse 1, we see in that verse that Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God. He had left God. He had gone away from God. He was in the fish's belly. But yet, God was his God. That relationship could not be severed. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, it tells us that God is still the father of the sinning saint. You see, my children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the father. Even when you sin, he is still your father and your God, and that relationship cannot be broken. So, but if you want to have a proper personal relationship with God, he does expect us to confess our sin and repent. And that is crucial 
if the joy of the relationship is to be restored. So getting back to 1 Kings 17.1, we see that God was still regarded as the God of Israel, even though the people had all rebelled against him. Then I want you to notice next in this verse, it says the word liveth, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. Elijah had confidence that the God of Israel was a living God. It's a wonderful thing in your service for God if you have the confidence about the God whom you are worshipping and serving. You see, in contrast to Baal and all these other idols and deities and whatnot, they are all graven images. But the God that we worship, he lives. He lives. Even in this particular context of Ahab, in fact, the previous verse to this, uh, which is verse 34 of 1 Kings 16, you will notice that uh, in this very day and age, God had given some proof that he was a living God. Because way back in Joshua 6 and verse 26, God had promised that anybody who rebuilds the city of Jericho, they would lose their sons. And in this verse 1 Kings 16.34, which is the previous verse to chapter 17, verse 1, a man by the name of Hiel, he decided to rebuild Jericho, and God took away his sons. So God proved that in this generation, he was a living God. He kept his promises. And then next, I want you to notice also in uh, 1 Kings 17 and verse 1, the prophet had an awareness that he stood in the presence of God. It says there in that verse, before whom I stand. Just as the illustrious angel Gabriel, he had stood in the presence of God. Luke chapter 1 and verse 19 uh, tells us how Gabriel, uh, the angel answering, said unto him, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God. This man, Elijah, he also was equally attuned to God's word and equally ready to do his bidding. And he understood when he stood in the presence of God. Here's another lesson for us. Let us desire that intimacy of fellowship with God and that attitude of availability that is conveyed in the concept of standing in the presence of God. Here was Elijah in the palace of a tyrant like Ahab. And he approaches fearlessly and he is able to say that we are standing in the presence of God. Why? Because of his closeness of his relationship with God. If you also have a close personal relationship with God, you will also have that awareness when you are standing in the presence of God. Then, I want you to notice next Elijah's warning that he gave in verse 1 to King Ahab. 
Elijah's warning came after uh, he is the one who had prayed and asked God to bring a famine upon the land. We can see that in James chapter 5 uh, and verse 17, uh, it tells us that Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth. So he's the one who requested this from God. And why did he do this? Why did Elijah pray and ask God to stop the rain? Well, we can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 16 and 17, where this is what it was said. Take heed to yourself that your heart be not deceived and he turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and he shut up the heaven and there be no rain and that the land yield not her fruit. So you see what happened? The people went away from God, like verse 16 and verse 17. If they do that, he will stop the rain. So what that tells me is that Elijah knew God's word. Elijah knew of the promises of God. And so what did he do? He took those promises to himself. He prayed and he asked God, please stop the rain because these people are all worshipping these idols like you promised. That if we turn and worship idols, you will close up the heaven. And that's what he did. So here's the next lesson for us. He asked God to implement that threat of discipline that God promised all those years ago. He took God at his word. Now, if you want to serve God and live for God, it's very, very important that you believe the promises of God, that you take God at his word. Daniel, he had that same uh, attitude to the word of God when he was reading. Uh, the ninth chapter of Daniel tells us how when he was reading in Jeremiah, uh, he discovered Judah's captivity would be for 70 years. And the 70 years were up, Daniel believed and he prayed accordingly. You see, here's the lesson. We would be much happier people if like uh, Elijah, like Daniel, we just took God at his word. We believed every promise given in the Bible and we acted accordingly. We would be blessed in our life. Be like Paul. Paul said in Acts chapter 27 and verse 25, I believed God. That's what Paul said. I believe God. If you also can believe God, that would be a wonderful thing uh, for your life. And then the last clause here in verse 1, 1 Kings 17 and verse 1, there shall be no dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. According to my word. You see, this last clause held a little bit of hope for the people and for the king. At the word of God, this drought-like conditions would be removed. The discipline would be lifted. The drought would be over. 
You see, it's so good to know that in circumstances of chastening, of barrenness, and end is in sight. If we create the conditions to allow God to be merciful. Often we don't create those conditions for God to be merciful and we wonder why we are going through a barren spell. But if we create the conditions for God to be merciful, at his word, one word, it can all be lifted. So now you see in this verse, there's a lot of meaning in this verse. Elijah was of the inhabitants of Gilead, people who were far away from God, settled on the eastern fringe of Jordan, never fully entered and possessed the land. From a background like that, he came out. You can come out regardless of what your background is. He believed that the Lord God of Israel liveth. He was the Lord God, regardless of they were backsliding away from God at that very point in time. They were Baal worshippers. You can never be separated from God. And remember that we worship a living God. And then remember the lesson of before whom I stand. Only if you are close with God, you will have an understanding when you're in his presence. Elijah had that understanding. And then remember, there was no dew or rain because he prayed and asked God. Why? He knew his Bible. He knew God's promises. If you know your Bible and you know God's promises, you can pray and ask God and claim those promises for yourself. And remember, everything is according to my word. One word. It can all be lifted. Isn't it so good when we know that at any time, there is light at the end of the tower. And then I want you to notice next that Elijah had invoked this divine discipline upon the nation, but he would have to share in their suffering. Uh, but God personally superintended his safety and his sustenance. Now look at verse 3 of 1 Kings uh, 17. The word of the Lord came unto him and said, Get thee hence and hide thyself by the brook Cherith. Now, when the time came for Elijah to take center stage, the word of the Lord came to him and it was a different word. And that's found in the next chapter, chapter 18 and verse 1. And in that verse, you will see that God says to Elijah, Show thyself. Show thyself, chapter 18, verse 1. But now, the order is, can you see? Show thyself. Now, in chapter 17 and verse 3, the order is, hide thyself. Now, you see, the order is very significant. First, we have to hide ourselves. After that only, the show thyself order comes from God. God's servants regardless of who you are and how you wish to serve God, all servants require a time of hiding before the time of showing. Hide yourself first, then show yourself afterwards. Moses, John the Baptist, Paul, all these people had a time of hiding themselves. 
in their wilderness experiences with God before they emerged into the limelight. And this is what the Lord Jesus did with his own disciples in Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him that he might send them forth to preach. Before they could go out to preach, they had to be with him. You have to spend time with God. You have to get to know him before you can serve him. That's exactly what he did with the 12 disciples. They had to spend time with him, getting to know him. Before you can serve God, you need to immerse yourself in the word of God. You need to find out the mind of God, what he wants, what his purposes are. Then only you can serve God. Being with him is a prerequisite for active service. Without being with him, it's... Uh, you know, your uh, service for him will be immature, will be fleshly. Uh, it won't be guided by the Holy Spirit. Next lesson. I want to point out to you that Elijah was to learn the lesson of dependence upon God. This is a very important lesson for those who want to serve God. You have to learn the lesson of how to depend on God. And Elijah was given a real test of his faith. In a time of drought, he was being sent to a brook and not a river. But thankfully, he obeyed the voice of God. For the ravens, they were commanded to feed him there and there only. Look at verse 4. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Do you see that word, there? Nowhere else to be blessed, we must be in the location of divine choice. Moses on Mount Sinai, this is what God said. There I will meet with thee. There I will commune with me thee, if you go there. And then uh, in Matthew chapter 28, and verse 10, uh, <clears throat> this is what the Lord Jesus said. They said, Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall we, they see me. Only in this particular place there, if you go there, you will see me. Nowhere else, you know, you can't be like Naaman, for example. He wanted to go into his Rivers, remember? But God had said a different river that he had to go to. So we can't just go and decide where we want to meet God and our terms and conditions. We have to go there where he wants us to be there. Then only we can be in the center of God's choice. So make sure that you are where God wants you to be and when he wants you to be. If you move out of those parameters, well, you're not going to get a response. So he was told, go to a brook. Even though it's a time of drought, it made better sense to go to a big river because as you know, a brook has just a small puddle of water and in a time of drought, that water will quickly uh, melt away. And he was told there. That's 
where you need to be. That's where I will provide for you. And thankfully, he obeyed God and he went there. And then I want you to notice next the channels of provision that God used to provide for Elijah. This is what, when you decide to serve God, your service for God, this is how he will also look after you and provide for you if you will choose to serve him. God decided to use ravens to provide for Elijah. Now, he has the whole of creation under his control. As we already referred to Jonah, you know that a great fish did his bidding to preserve Jonah. And then the strongest among the animals was docile when it came to preserving Daniel. And then here, now he's using ravens. They are being used, they are obedient, and they feed Elijah. The beast of the field for Daniel, the fowl of the yah for Elijah, the fish of the sea for Jonah, all of them acknowledge his sovereign authority and they all responded to God's command. Isn't that a wonderful thing that we can also have complete confidence and trust in God because he can use any part of creation to satisfy us as we serve him. And then also notice in verse 5 how God richly rewarded Elijah's simple obedience as he does every act of obedience that you do as you follow God in your life, as you serve him, he also did it for Elijah. The ravens obeyed his voice and what God had perf- uh, commanded they perform with regularity. They brought flesh and bread in the morning and uh, bread and flesh in the evening. The diet was varied and regular and he was not allowed to hoard because ravens never hoard, the Bible tells us. So he couldn't, you know, for example, build up a nice bank balance so that there was some security for him. He couldn't do that. He couldn't take extra food and keep it aside in the fridge. He couldn't do that. He had to depend every meal, one at a time, it would come. Uh, Luke chapter 12 and verse uh, 24 tells us this. Consider the ravens, uh, for they neither sow nor reap. They don't have any storehouses or barns. So the, the ravens don't store up any food. So they had nothing extra to give for Elijah. He lived a day at a time on dependence of God. There was no provision for a rainy day. And his requirements came when needed. So let this be an encouragement for us. Just like the verse says, consider the ravens. Consider how God can provide for you and look after you. He will do that for you, just like he did for Elijah. He has long experience. He's fed so many people, not just Elijah, over the years. He can easily look after you. He's not going to neglect you uh, uh, 
he feeds ravens. You know, they are the first birds to be mentioned in the Bible. And also, they are the unclean uh, uh, birds uh, of Scripture. But in this context, we see that they are so well fed, their bellies must have been full because they had extra to bring and give it to him. You think about that. Isn't that true? Yeah. They had extra that they didn't wish to eat, obviously, because they were so well fed that they brought and flew over and handed it to him. So if he's willing to look after them so well, the unclean birds of the, and so on, how much more he will look after us in our service for him. Sometimes, you know, we worry threat of unemployment or the high prices and the high rents around us. How are we going to manage uh, and so on and so forth? Or perhaps our 401k is not doing so well. We worry. But don't worry. If things, everything is in God's hands, God who can feed the ravens, God who can feed Elijah, he certainly can feel, feed you. And that should be an encouragement as you serve God. And then, finally, uh, in emergencies, God is not confined to a single course of action. So after a while, <clears throat> and uh, you see that, um, uh, verse 7, after a while, the brook dried up. Now, this is a real test of faith. Just imagine there, sitting there by the brook, and every day you're watching the water level go down and down and down and down. And now it's down to mud. And he's wondering, should I? I know what I would have done. I would have thought, OK, let me go and look for another brook or another source of water. Or maybe I would have thought, shall I dig a well? Or you know, some other way of providing uh, for myself. So what a test of faith. Every day the brook dries down. And here it says, and it came to pass, after a while, the brook dried up. You see, God initiated a new strategy for Elijah's preservation. And he made this strategy came to pass because Elijah had been in total obedience to him and he stayed at his post. If Elijah had been like me and he had left the brook and gone away trying to look out for himself, I'll sort myself out, I'll go in, he wouldn't have been provided for. But because he stayed at his, because what was said before, stay there until I send word. So he stayed, he didn't move. He continued doing God's bidding. And that's very important in our service for God, that we follow through and we continue to do God, what God wants us to do. Sometimes we lose interest. Sometimes we get a bit tired and fed up of doing the same old thing and wish I could do something else. Isn't that true? Yeah. But until we get word from God, it's so important that we continue steadfastly doing uh, until word had come. That's why I stopped in the middle, verse 8. 
uh, 1 Kings 17, verse 8, it tells us, and the word of the Lord came to him. As the word came, then he can move on to the next step. Before you get the word of the Lord coming to you, please don't move. Stay at your post. Do what God has asked you to do. Then only he can bless you and be a blessing to his to your life. You remember Mary and Joseph. Remember how they were told to go to Egypt? Uh, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. Mary and Joseph obeyed implicitly. They went to Egypt with the child. They stayed there until the word of the Lord came to them. Then only they moved out of there. So may we also be like that. Uh, sadly, in the days of testing, what did Abraham do? Uh, Abraham, in Genesis 12 and verse 10, he abandoned station when God had told him, get thee out of the earth of Chaldees and move towards the land I'm going to give you. He was going in the one direction. All of a sudden, he decided to go to Egypt. And disastrous consequences as a result of him going to Egypt. Wrong choice. And for the rest of his life, disaster after disaster because of what he did in Egypt and the influences of Egypt on Lot and so on and so forth, it was a catastrophe. Make sure that in your service for God, you are where God wants you to be, that you continue doing his work and that you stay at your post until God's word comes to you. He will speak to you in clear ways. Uh, you will get word through your elders. God will speak to you through the word of God. There are very clear ways in which he communicates with us. But if we follow these things that Elijah did, it will be a great blessing for us in our life. It will be a great blessing for you. It will be a great blessing for your church. And God will honor and bless you. Trust these words would have been of some help. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank thee for the words of Scripture that these are given to us for our learning. We thank thee, our Father, for examples in the Bible, our Father, that we can follow in our service for thee. We thank thee, our Father, the opportunity that has been given for each of us to serve thee in different ways. We thank thee for the opportunities to serve thee in this church. And we pray, our Father, that the believers gathered here would all be strengthened and want to continue serving thee until the Lord returns back for us. Commit us into thy hands. Part us now with thy blessings. We ask this in the precious and worthy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.